Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks for listening to the Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. And we're brought to you by True Car. When it comes to selling or trading in your car, you need to make good choices. And with True Car, you've got a star on your roster. So when you're ready to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car. True cash offer not available in all areas. I know we like to overreact oftentimes when it comes to football games, particularly when it is NFL football games and particularly when the NFL football games are on Thursday or Monday or Sunday night and everybody is watching the same game. And so last night, if you are a Minnesota Viking fan, you watched Kirk Cousins and your team get really, I thought, dominated in many ways by the uh, by the Seattle Seahawks. But when you actually take a step back and dive into the numbers, was it really as bad as maybe it seemed when you looked at the scoreboard or you just watched the game? To which I mean, first of all, the plays and total yardage were almost identical. These two teams were not separated by very much at all. First downs, almost even. Uh, Third down efficiency, almost even. Both bad. Total plays, almost even. Total drives, almost even. Total yards, separated by two yards. The 
Total passing yards of the Seattle Seahawks, 60 yards. Yards per pass, 2.7. Now, the Seahawks ran the ball pretty well, but really, until Russell Wilson broke off that 40-yard run, none of those runs had led to any sort of dominant field position. And so when you look at this end result, I'm going to argue with you here that this end result for the Vikings was not actually that bad in the grand scheme of things and that in reality, nothing much really changed in the outcome of last night's game. In particular, if you look at the playoff race. Playoff race in the NFC is pretty intriguing when you really break it down right now. The playoff race is not very complicated in the NFC because here's where we're sitting. The Seahawks effectively locked up the number five overall seed in the NFC because the Seahawks close out with two very winnable games. They should beat the 49ers next weekend and they should beat the Cardinals to end the season. And even if they only win one of those two games, they still have locked up, I believe, the uh, number five overall wild card seed. And yes, the Chiefs come into the Seahawks, and that's going to be a really tough game. But really, it wouldn't stun me if the Seahawks won that game. At a minimum, the Seahawks are going to get to 9-7, and seven, which means they will be the number five overall seed, I believe, when all is said and done. And I think they're probably likely to win 10 games. So the Seahawks are going to be the five seed. There is a very good chance that effectively in the NFC, you can start to think about the Dallas Cowboys hosting the Seattle Seahawks as one of the wild card games in the NFC because I also feel pretty good about the Cowboys finishing in that four spot in the NFC overall. But if you are a Minnesota Vikings fan, like our boss Scott Shapiro is, diehard Minnesota Viking fan, born and raised in the Minneapolis area. In fact, yesterday was his birthday And he had to sit down and watch that game on Monday Night Football and watch his team just kind of stink going up and down the field. Not that much positivity associated with it. But if you're a Vikings fan, first of all, go into that game. All right? You went for it on fourth down, and Kirk Cousins looked to his right and tried to throw to Rudolph, I believe it was, when Thielen was breaking wide open on the left side of that play. If he throws a touchdown pass right there, which he probably should have done and probably would do most times in that scenario, the Vikings are up, assuming they make the extra point, 7-6 with about eight minutes to go. That blocked field goal was a penalty. As good of a play as it was, the Seahawk defender, I believe it was Bobby Wagner, used leverage to jump over the line of scrimmage and then blocked that field goal that shouldn't have been permissible, especially not when the flag was thrown and then they picked it up. That's 10 points right there that could have easily shifted around, all right? So if you are a Vikings fan, though, the end result is you're still sitting in the sixth playoff spot and you have three games left And the three games are not that brutal. The Vikings should beat the Dolphins on Sunday. 
They are over a touchdown favorite over the Dolphins. Then you go on the road against the Lions. That's a very winnable game, right? The Lions are effectively done. It's a very winnable game. And then you close out against the Bears at home, and the Bears are going to have nothing to play for in that game. We'll probably be resting everyone because you should, the Bears should, have already locked up the NFC North by the time the final week of the season gets there. So you're going to get to 2-1, and one, I think, in those final three, which would guarantee you that you have got the uh, that you have got the final wild card spot because here are the other teams right now that are competing with you down the stretch to get into the playoffs. The Carolina Panthers are sitting at six and seven. Two of their final three games are against the New Orleans Saints. Yet yeah, they're not making the playoffs. The Philadelphia Eagles are sitting at six and seven. Their final three games. It ain't that good. They go up against the Rams on the road. That's likely to be a loss. I think that could be a bloodbath for the Eagles, given how bad their secondary is. Then they host the Texans. Good shot that that's a loss as well. Then they finish with the Redskins. So, again, Carolina Panthers, they're not going to win in advance in the playoffs. They would need to win all three of their final games. Philadelphia Eagles aren't doing it. I don't think the Washington Redskins will win another game this year. And the Green Bay Packers are already sitting at 5-7-1, and one, meaning they need to win out all of their games and the Vikings would need to lose all basically all of their games, right? So as you look through here, I just I don't see any situation where the Minnesota Vikings are not going to be in the playoffs. So If you are a Vikings fan and you're sitting around this morning and you're shaking your head and you're saying, why in the world did we give Kirk Cousins $84 million? That's a valid question. It's certainly a very valid question to ask, is Kirk Cousins overpaid? Did we give him too much money? What's going on with our offense? Why are we not better than we anticipated? Why did we replace Case Keenum with Kirk Cousins and somehow get substantially worse all of those questions very valid but you're going to make the playoff and as I told you yesterday I told you yesterday I said you know what when you look at the NFC and the AFC this year I think if your team gets into the playoffs they get a little bit hot you can advance to the Super Bowl this is going to be a wide-open playoff. And in fact, if I need to make you bolster, feel a little bit better about yourselves, does anybody really feel like if I had told you before the season started, hey, Viking fans, your first-round playoff opponent is going to be the Chicago Bears, that you would have been like, you would have thrown your hands up and said, oh, we have no chance of winning that game. Because that's likely to be the wild cards in the NFC it's likely that you're going to see the Seahawks on the road against the Cowboys and it's likely that you are going to see the Minnesota Vikings on the road against the Chicago Bears in other words the Minnesota Vikings Chicago Bears will play in back-to-back weeks because they finish off the season in Minnesota with a divisional game likely again 
that the Bears are resting their team because there wouldn't be a lot to play for there. And then they'll turn around and play the next week in Chicago. Would anybody out there in Minnesota have said, oh, we have no shot in that game? You've had a lot of success over the years against the Chicago Bears. I feel like you have to be very comfortable with the possibility of playing against the Bears. Now, granted, yes, I know you're a Minnesota-based team. You play in a dome. It wouldn't necessarily be ideal to have to go play in Chicago outside given the fact that Diggs and Thielen and your passing game are a big part of your overall offense. It could be windy. It could be cold. could be more difficult to move the football through the air because you're playing in Chicago. All of those things certainly are factors. And you might also feel like your run game doesn't necessarily look very good with Dalvin Cook, and it doesn't project that well for Soldier Field in January. All those are very valid concerns, especially when you consider the Bear defensive situation right now and how great Khalil Mack and co. are playing. But Mitch Trubisky's not very healthy. He's looked awful in the past few weeks. That could be a low-scoring defensive struggle. You could win that football game. So don't stand on the ledge, Viking fans. It could be much worse. It's not all awful. Uh, I believe you're still going to make the playoffs as the number six overall seed in the NFC I think also it's highly likely that the Seahawks have locked up the number five overall seed. And frankly, I believe we almost know what the wild card uh, matchups are likely to be. I think it's going to be the Bears hosting the Vikings, and I think it's going to be the Cowboys hosting the Seattle Seahawks. That's my big takeaway from last night's game. Well, I'll ask Charles Davis whether he agrees or whether I'm crazy with that breakdown. Also, we'll talk with Mark Schlereth in hour two, and then in hour three, we'll talk with our guy, Petros Papadakis. All that and more coming your direction. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio, but I have to tell you, you're starting off your morning with me right now, and are you starting off your morning with your best possible holiday gift to send out? I'm telling you right now, Omaha Steaks giving an amazing limited time offer to my listeners when you go to omahasteaks.com and enter the code TRAVIS into the search bar. You'll get 74% off Omaha Steaks family gift package, originally $195, now only $49.99. Right now, you'll get four hand-cut top sirloin steaks, two pork chops, four chicken fried steaks, four Omaha Steaks burgers, four kielbasa sausages, all beef meatballs, four browned perfectly potatoes au gratin, four made-from-scratch caramel apple tartlets, and you get four more burgers for free. I have this at my house right now, and this food has been extraordinary. Fantastic steaks. This is a fifth-generation family-owned company with over 100 years of experience delivering perfectly aged master butchers from Omaha. You get the limited-time package for only $49.99. When you go to omahasteaks.com, type Travis in the search bar, Add the family gift package to your cart. Again, this is $195 value for $49.99. Don't wait. Offer in soon. Go to omahasteaks.com, type Travis in the search bar, and send the Omaha Steaks family gift package today. Up next, Charles Davis. We're breaking down the weekend of NFL action on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. 
Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. This is a confidence show, especially when we're joined by Charles Davis, who was fresh off of calling the game between uh, Green Bay and Atlanta, and he has got a massive game. Uh, coming up on Sunday between the Dallas Cowboys and the Indianapolis Colts. And also, he's a proud University of Tennessee alum, and the mighty volunteers knocked off Gonzaga to get uh, a win over the number one team in college basketball and have now ascended to number three overall. Charles, did you ever think you'd see the day when Tennessee was a basketball school? A men's basketball school. Over yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point too. How about that? Because that's not something we've seen in a while. I mean, before long before we got there, Clay, as you well know, Ray Mears put Tennessee on the basketball map and 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 made us somebody. And we were probably what a broken thumb away from the Final Four with Bernard King and, and Ernie Grunfeld. So that that was that was a uh, that was a good time frame. Don DeVoe had some good years in there with Dale Ellis kicking butt and. But no, <laughs> to be in this spot, Bruce Pearl had us right there. Remember when we beat Kansas at home? Beat, uh, I think they were number one in the country, so Bruce Pearl had us going, and he and Pat Summit had a fantastic working relationship, something you don't often see between men's and women's coaches of big-time programs. A lot of times there's friction. Jim Calhoun and Gino Oriema, <laughs> prime example number one at UConn, but they had a great relationship, Pat and, Pat and Bruce did. And uh, it's really nice to see what Rick Barnes has done with our men's program. It's phenomenal. Um, Aaron Rodgers uh, obviously looked very good against the uh, against the Atlanta Falcons. Do you think it was the right decision to fire Mike McCarthy? And what kind of vibe did you pick up on in covering that team in the wake of Mike McCarthy's departure? You know, Clay, in our in our youth, the right decision always seemed to be to err on the side of giving your long-term coach who's had a lot of success one more opportunity to get it right. Because, you know, Green Bay's been trending in the wrong direction. I think we showed a graphic in our game that since Atlanta and Green Bay met in the 2016 NFC playoffs, you know, and it was the uh, NFC championship game, I think Atlanta was 500 since that time, and Green Bay was like 11-16-1. and So, the idea that they were, you know, playing good ball and something just went a little ahead. No, they were trending in the wrong. They weren't playing very well. They were pretty much a 500 team and, and below, depending on when you started counting the record. So that's my long-winded way of saying in today's NFL, heck, today's college football, you don't get the same amount of time if things start to go go wrong. And if they were going to fire Mike McCarthy at the end of the season, as it certainly appeared they were tracking towards doing, I have no problem with them doing it at the time they did it. I, I, you know, whether, whether I thought it was the absolute right thing or not, no. But here's the bottom line. They did. It felt like the team wasn't playing well and responding the way that the ownership wanted anymore. So I, st- I always remember Jeremy Foley said it when he was AD at Florida. He, it wasn't an original thought. What must be done eventually probably should be done immediately. And I know my colleagues have said, well, that takes his dignity. You know, he he deserved to go to the end of the year. I'm in the opposite camp, Clay. I feel like if you're going to do it and you're going to let a guy twist, 
that takes away his dignity more than doing it immediately and letting him get out of the line of fire and not having to deal with the guys like you and me every day going, so, how's the job going? Are you going to be here next year? What's it look like? He didn't have to do that the rest of the season. Give him a jump start on his next job, and, and off they go. And I'm not saying that just because Green Bay won. I just didn't think that letting him twist there was the right thing either. Last night we had the Vikings uh, go up to Seattle and lose on the road 21-7. Kirk Cousins, not that great. Uh, it's kind of an ugly game in general uh, where really for the Vikings you needed to make one play in the first 55 minutes of that game and everything could have been different. Instead, the first touchdown is finally scored with about you know three minutes to play in the game and that was when it was ultimately decided uh, that the, the Seahawks were going to pull away and, and not have any challenge there. If you were a Vikings fan, would you be sitting back right now saying, man, we made the wrong decision with Kirk Cousins? Or, and I laid out this in the in the get-go, do you kind of look at it glass half full, say we're likely to go 2-1 and one to finish out the season, I think, if you look at their schedule. You'll be the number six overall seed. That probably puts you on the road against the Chicago Bears in week one, a divisional round opponent. And I don't know about you, but I feel like this year's playoffs in particular are wide open. Anybody who gets in can go to the Super Bowl. And do you take a step back and say, hey, we made the playoffs. We'll see what happens when we actually get there. How panicked would you be this morning waking up if you're a Vikings fan? Well, I wouldn't be panicked. I would be concerned because I'm just not sure what I'm getting. You're, you're watching a Vikings team with all their different struggles trying to score offensively. I know there's plenty made of it last night, and, and understandably so. And obviously the focus was Kirk Cousins. The focus became John Filippo, the new offensive coordinator, um, you know, meaning new for this year for, for Minnesota. I don't know that there was enough focus on this is an offensive line that struggled all year. Clay, I mean, you and I have talked all season long. Right from opening day, when they didn't have Pat Elfline to start the season at center, you know, it's been a shuffle, it's been a change, it's been who's in in at what spot, is this guy healthy, is that guy healthy, and they just haven't been as consistent as they've needed. You know, all that conversation about, well, we've got to have more balance, we've got to run the football, we've got to do this. It's similar to what I saw Sunday in Atlanta, yeah, you want to do those things. But is your line capable of giving you the push, giving you the opportunities on a consistent basis to do those things that you want to? And I think that's been part of, a huge part of the problem in Minnesota this year, something they'll have to work hard to, to fix. Look, if they get into the playoffs with the year that they've had, I know the expectations were Super Bowl, but you and I both know things change along the way based on injuries, based on how other teams are playing, based on schedule. A lot of things, getting to the playoffs and having an opportunity, and I wouldn't rule out the fact, as you just pointed out, if they get in, going to Chicago, it's not out of line that they can beat them. The weird part will be, if it plays that way, they will play Chicago in week 17, last week of the season, at home, and then they will play them the very next week, right, on the road in Chicago to play in the playoffs. So there'll be one of those weird back-to-backs that they'll have. And Minnesota will have to play hard in, in, in Week 17 to ensure that they make the playoffs. We're talking to Charles Davis. Follow him on Twitter at CFD22 uh, there. You've got a massive game uh, this weekend with the Colts hosting the Cowboys. First of all, let's start on the Cowboys side. I, I can't think of a better example. You guys can tweet me if you can think of one, and so far nobody has come up with one. I can't think of a better 
in-season trade. And I said in-season because a lot of people out there listening are going to be like, oh, well, they're going to give me a lot of examples of other trades. I mean a trade in the NFL when the season has already started than Amari Cooper uh, coming to the Dallas Cowboys. He's number one in touchdowns, number one in yards receiving since the Cowboys traded for him, uh, and they are 5-1 and one with Amari Cooper as opposed to 3-4 and four without him. Did this fundamentally change the Cowboys' season? And if you're getting ready for him and you're the Colts, how ominous and difficult is it to prepare for Amari Cooper? It did change things, and I'm going to be very clear here. When that trade went down, I didn't think it was a good trade. Yeah. All right, so I'm not going to sit here and all of a sudden, well, you know, I thought Amari Cooper, that was a missing piece. Because you know as well as I do, Clay, there's plenty of that out there, isn't there? Right? Every, oh, God, yeah, well, that was the piece we saw that they needed. Yes. They always said they needed a receiver. But when the trade went down, no one said, yeah, get a receiver and give up a one. Right? It was, you know, how come you didn't get a receiver in preseason? That was the question mark. Or draft so, one. Yeah, or draft one. You had a chance, right? Remember, remember the conversation about, well, why didn't you draft Calvin Ridley? Because yes. I did that Atlanta-Dallas game. And that was a huge one, you know. And then it became, well, Van Der Esch played so well. Well, they took Van Der Esch, Ridley, Ridley, Van Der Esch. So we did a bunch of stuff on that one as well. But, yeah, I- I'm with you on this one. It changed how Dallas operated. It's changed Dak as a quarterback. And here's the thing. It's not so much that, that Amari Cooper becomes a number one and takes attention, right, and helps other people, which he does, but he upholds his end of the bargain too. 180 yards on Thanksgiving Day and two touchdowns against Washington. 217 yards in their last outing, including the big one in overtime. Three touchdowns, one one long one, and they beat Philadelphia. He's not just bringing extra attention, I mean, taking attention away and opening up for others. He's having the attention on him and still making plays. So give them a lot of credit. Give him a lot of credit. And, yes, in this case, if you don't tip your cap to Jerry Jones, then you just then you're just not acknowledging what we're, what we're watching right now. And if you're the ball, uh, see, I said Baltimore. You can tell my age, right? <laughs> if you're the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday, yeah, you got to deal with what he's going to bring to the table. But the biggest problem is Zeke looks like a different guy now too, doesn't he? He looks like the guy that we're used to seeing because when he gets the ball now, he's just pounding people. He put a hundred plus on Philadelphia and catches the ball of the backfield. They look pretty good. My biggest concern for Dallas right now, beat-up offensive line. Zach Martin went out again on Sunday with a knee. They're hoping he can be back. Otherwise, Connor Williams, a rookie, has to get back into the lineup with Suofilo at guard. That's when things start to get dicey because they still need to keep that momentum going. Colts won on the road against the Texans. We'll see whether the AFC South ends up being a race down the stretch or whether the Texans bounce back and go ahead and close out that division. But it was a must-win game for the Colts, and the Colts have three more must-win games. The one you're calling this this weekend, Sunday, against the Cowboys. Then they've got the Giants, who are actually starting to play pretty well uh, down the stretch of the season after, effectively, they've been uh, pretty much eliminated from the playoffs. And then you have uh, the Colts going on the road against the Titans in what could be, if the Titans win out, a uh, default playoff game between the Colts and the Titans. Um, what do you think about the chances of the Colts closing to win three in a row 
and uh, obviously that starts against the Cowboys. What do you think of that matchup in general as you get ready to call it? I think it's going to be difficult for them because of, of, of who they're playing. And a couple of weeks ago, if you'd said you're finishing off with Dallas, you would have said, well, it's going to be tough but manageable because it's at home, right, if, if, yep. because it's hot as Indianapolis was. The Giants, you would have said that's a walkover in, in, in amateur wrestling terms, right? And then you would have finished it up with um, the Titans, and you would have said that's where all the marbles are. Well, to me, the marbles are way ahead of that. This Sunday's brutal because Dallas is trying to put a clincher on their division, and they have momentum, and they're hot, and they feel good about themselves. So that's going to be a tough one for them. But to me, the real one is the Giants game, Clay. Because as you pointed out, not only are they playing you know, better, they have no pressure, right? They are in the, stand, they're in the position now of, you know something? I'm now really upset we got no shot at the playoffs. Let's wreck someone else's season. But this is a big prove-it game for the Giants as much as it is for the Colts, and, uh, and here's why. Look at who the Giants have beaten in recent weeks, and then look at who's played quarterback for those teams that they've beaten. They've gotten a lot of backups, right? They've gotten a lot of guys that just, you know, I mean, heck, Washington played, you know, Josh Johnson, who hadn't completed a pass in the NFL since, what, 2011? Yeah, it's amazing. All right? That's just stunning. So the Giants have a lot to prove to themselves that if they could beat an Andrew Luck team, that would be a big, big deal. And that would be a fun one for them to, to take on someone who – the rest of the league has now got their eyes on. So, yeah, it's going to be very challenging for the Colts. But considering they started 1-5 and five to be in this spot, that's a challenge that they're happily <laughs> willing to accept. Especially down the stretch in the AFC, we have got a real battle for the playoffs, right? The Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers are sitting now at 7-5-1. and one. They're up a half game on the Baltimore Ravens. One of the two of those teams is going to win the AFC North. Who do you think actually gets it done, particularly because the Steelers in their final three, they've got obviously the Patriots this weekend, and then next weekend they go up against the Saints on the road. It wouldn't be a stunner at all if the Pittsburgh Steelers are rolling into the final week of the season sitting at 7-7-1 and and like what in the world happened to our season? Yeah, and, and they should never be in this spot. They should have had a cushion by now because there were, there were a couple of openings in the long way, weren't there, Clay? on weekends where we all expected Pittsburgh to win and Baltimore to lose. Yeah. And in, in just take last weekend, for example, that, was, that seemed like a perfect setup for Pittsburgh. Go to Oakland, take care of business, all right? And Baltimore's got to go to Kansas City. Baltimore almost pulls it off, but the expected result happens. They lose. Pittsburgh was not the expected result by any stretch of imagination. This was not the 1970s Steelers-Raiders. Okay, we thought Pittsburgh was a decided had a decided advantage and would close out. They didn't. So again, their chance to increase their cushion goes away. And now, as you pointed out, here comes New England, who has to be ticked off about what happened in Miami. And by the way, can we ever? Can any of us ever solve why New England goes to Miami and, and, and really struggles? Because I asked, I said, do they do it like an NBA team? Do they go hang at South Beach Saturday night? What do they do? <laughs> yeah, we, you know? we've asked that question. Nobody, I, I don't get it. And yeah. I asked someone who's actually a staffer, and they're like, no, we stay in Fort Lauderdale, and we're pretty locked down. I said, okay, then I'm, I'm, out of, I'm out of reasons. I don't get it at all. It's, it's not. Would you be, this is a great stat for everybody <laughs> out there about the Patriots. Uh, we don't know, and I'll get to who, who you think is going to make the playoffs here, but we don't know 
whether the Dolphins or the Titans are going to make the playoffs. Only one of those teams can make the playoffs if you really look at the way the playoff picture is shaking out. So, uh, And we already know that the Lions and the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars are not going to make the playoffs. Right. The, the P- New England Patriots in the Tom Brady and Bill Belichick era have never lost four games to non-playoff teams. So it's very possible that that could end up happening here. Are the Patriots just moved from a great team to just kind of a good team now? Or do you think, uh, you know, look, they beat the uh, if, if they beat the Steelers, which is a, a toss-up yeah. game, and then they win out, they'll beat the Bills and they'll beat the Jets. They'll be 12-4 and four and they'll have another bye week and we'll be talking about them as major Super Bowl contenders again. Yeah, and look, here's Bob Wineclass' mystique. It's the Patriots, and if they close out the way you just described, get to twelve and four, and 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 grab one of those two, you know, two slots where you're playing at home to begin with, that's that's when I go, okay, here we go again, because you got Brady, you got this, you got that. I don't know how good they are. I think it's going to be interesting to find out can they put it together, but. To me, this is not a year where you sit here and say, okay, the Patriots are decided favorites, whether they're at home or on the road. I think, I think you know, it's a bad term, and, you know, it's wide open. But it is. I don't think people walk in this season and just go, well, we're going to get outclassed, or we're going to get this, or we're going to get that. Do you always bet on the Patriots? If you're smart, you do, because they've proven it too many times. But the right team can go in there and get them. Remember when Baltimore used to give them so much trouble in the playoffs? You know, oh, yeah. Flacco and that crew, you go, oh, God, don't draw a Baltimore. That's where your trouble is. Who can be their Baltimore this year? Who can be their kryptonite? I think it can be a few different teams. I don't think it's just one team this time. I think it can be a few. Although, if you ask me about betting and, and who I would put my money on, I'd never bet against New England. History has proven me. <laughs> I mean, history says you take New England and let everybody else figure it out. Because Pittsburgh, that road you just gave us, that's a brutal road, and it's a road they should have had cushion against, and they let that cushion get away. We're talking to Charles Davis at CFD 22. All right, three teams all tied at 7-6. and six. We said either the Ravens or the Steelers likely get into the playoffs. Yeah. I think only one of two is if you look at the schedule down the stretch. That would leave one spot in the AFC. The Colts the Miami Dolphins, the Tennessee Titans. I think one of those teams is going to have to get to 10-6 and six and win out in order to get in. Who does it if you had to pick between those three? Well, sitting here right now, I'd really look hard at the Titans uh, because I just think that they play, they play nice defense, maybe even better than nice defense. They play really good defense at times. If they can keep the running game going, and let's not get fooled by Thursday night and say that's what you're going to get every week. But can they be a heck of a lot more consistent running the ball and put up good numbers? The answer is yes, between Henry and Deion Lewis. And it's nice to see Derrick Henry back because, Clay, correct me if I'm wrong, for at least half this season, maybe a little bit more, we didn't know what was going on there, did we, with Derrick Henry? No. I mean, I was talking to scouts. I was talking to people. And I had one scout talk to me and say, look, I watched him the last two ball games. I don't know what's happening there. He, he looks slow to the hole. He looks this. He looks that. And what we saw Saturday, you know, thir- last Thursday night, <laughs> one of our brethren, Field Yates, tweeted out during the ball game. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that one, that Derrick Henry just locked up his second Heisman Trophy tonight. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's how he looked. He looked like that guy again, and that's what Tennessee needs. I think that their ability to do that and play defense, 
makes him the favorite amongst those three teams that you just out, you know, laid out for me. Plus, I believe that last game of the year is at home for them, correct? Against against the uh, Colts. Correct. If the Titans yeah. can beat the Giants this weekend, they close with the Redskins, who are not very good. I think it's fair to say, yep. given their quarterback situation, and More then they close right uh, with the Colts in Nashville, which could be, like I said, a a default playoff game for both of those teams. Uh, I, like, I like their setup. I like their setup and their schedule, Clay. It is in their favor. And it's one of those times where, as a team, it's kind of like if if it doesn't work, I don't know what better advantages you had to take advantage of, and you just didn't do it. Good. That's, that's the way I look at that. Good stuff, as always. Charles Davis at CFD22. Go follow him on Twitter. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy that Cowboy-Colts uh, game. We'll be listening. Will do. Take care, Clay. Charles Davis, uh, we come back. We'll break down uh, the college football, college football, the playoff picture there for you a bit more. Also an hour two, Mark Schlereth, and an hour three, Petros Papadegas. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. It's never a good look when you untuck a long, bulky dress shirt. That's why Untuck It makes shirts specifically designed to be worn untucked, go to untuckit.com to see the new fall arrivals. Untuckit.com, your solution to perfecting casual. Use promo code CLAY, that's C-L-A-Y, for 20% savings. Let's bring in Eddie Garcia, find out what's shaking in the world of sports. Well, if we start off by asking you, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more in car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico 15 minutes ago. On the Geico scoreboard, Monday Night Football, Seahawks beat the Vikings 21-7. to It was a pretty boring game for three quarters. And in the fourth quarter, Seattle got a blocked field goal and two touchdowns in an 18-second span in route to the win. They improved to 8-5 and five and are in good position to get a wild-card spot in the NFC. Minnesota falls to 6-6-1, and one, holding on to the final wild-card spot in the NFC. NBA, Thunder over the Jazz. 122-113. Oklahoma City now percentage points up on Golden State for the top record in the West at 17-8. Warriors are 19-9 after beating the Timberwolves 116-108. This support is brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Back to Clay Travis and the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. Uh, good stuff, as always. Let me give you Eddie while you're here. The college, uh, the college, the NFL playoff picture. If you were betting right now, would you take the – you're a Steelers fan, which is the reason why I'm asking you, and I think this is uh, fascinating as we come down the stretch in the uh, AFC. If you had to pick right now, the Steelers obviously have the Patriots this weekend in just a seismic, massive game, and then they go on the road against the Saints. That is as tough of a back-to-back as exists anywhere in the NFL in the final three weeks then in theory they might get a little bit of a respite. The Bengals come to town. The Bengals seem to have effectively mailed in everything. But the one wild card there would be we know how brutal that AFC North rivalry is. And the Bengals, who are going to have nothing to play for, would love nothing more than to spoil everything in the Steelers' season. So that's not as easy of a matchup as you might think just based on the fact that the Bengals aren't very good. Would you take the Steelers, and I just ran through their final three, or would you take the Baltimore Ravens with a final three of the Buccaneers on the road against the Chargers, which is obviously a really tough game, and then the Browns, who are playing well, and again, that's another divisional round uh, game to finish off with. One of those teams going to win the AFC North. I don't think both of these teams are going to make the playoffs. 
I think one of them will and win the division. I think the other one will not. Who would you take to actually win the division? And do you agree with me that only one of those teams is likely to make the playoffs? Yes, I agree that only one of them is likely to get in. I would probably have to go with the Ravens uh, as much as their quarterback situation is not on the you know most solid ground there is. They play great defense. They're in every game. They've got the best kicker in the NFL, and they're usually pretty well coached, and the schedule's favorable. I would I would have to reluctantly say I would take the Ravens. If that happens and the Ravens win the division and make the playoffs, and let's say the Steelers, let's just say they lose to the Patriots and they lose to the, uh, to the Saints, which I don't think would stun anybody, which would knock the Steelers out of the playoffs. If that happens, do you think that Mike Tomlin gets fired? I think it's how they how they would fare in those final three games. If they get their doors blown off and they play stupid football, I could see it. It would it would be possible. Um, if they play well and they lose close games to New Orleans and New England, uh, I think they'll probably retain him because that's just the way the Steelers are. They really believe in continuity. Um, and I think they would give him another season. I think a lot of fans would would call for him to be fired, but I think that organization would probably keep him for another year. Like I said, unless they just collapse in these last three games. It is a remarkable situation we're in, and uh, I saw where Le'Veon Bell put up a uh, Instagram post, I think it was, mocking the uh, mocking the Steelers ending up losing. Maybe in long last, he could have a little bit of the final laugh. If they do lose to the Patriots, then the pressure would be at an inordinate level on the Steelers as they go on the road. I think the pressure is going to be pretty high regardless on both the Patriots and the Steelers because whichever team comes out of this game on Sunday with a loss, everybody's going to be saying, man, what's wrong with either the Patriots or what's wrong with the Steelers? Whereas, if one of these teams wins, then maybe you just you know hit the pause button and the panic situation doesn't completely take over. It's going to be intriguing to see how all of this shakes out. Again, there are five teams fighting for, I think, the final two spots in the AFC playoff race. The Steelers, the Baltimore Ravens, the Indianapolis Colts, the Miami Dolphins, and the Tennessee Titans. By the way, the Colts, the Miami Dolphins, and, uh, and the Titans – all have really, really difficult games uh, if you look at it from an odds maker perspective uh, this coming weekend. Um, so it's possible all three could lose. It's possible all three certainly could win as well. We'll see what exactly transpires there. When we come back, top five, bottom five in the NFL. I got them for you here on OutKick. Live from the Geico OutKick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. I hope all of you are having a fantastic Tuesday morning, even those of you who are Minnesota Viking fans. Because I think when you look at what happened last night uh, to complete the 13th game of the NFL season and send everybody uh, back to the clubhouse to get ready for the final three weeks of the season is we basically had a status quo game. I understand everybody wants to uh, hit the panic button and argue about the fact that Kirk Cousins was overpaid and everything else. The reality is this. When you actually break down the NFC playoff picture, effectively the Seattle Seahawks are slotted in at the number five overall spot. They are going to be your five seed. They're going to be your top wild card team. I still think the Minnesota Vikings are going to be your sixth seed because all the other teams that are competing for the sixth spot in the NFC are in different ways broken, 
even worse than the Minnesota Vikings are broken right now. And let me explain uh, as we break down uh, that playoff picture. First of all, the Seahawks are in. They've got uh, in the playoffs two of their final three very winnable games. The 49ers and the Cardinals are still on that roster. I think it's likely they win both those games, get to 10 wins, and are comfortably in as the five seed in the NFC. So uh, Russell Wilson, Seahawks, they're going to be the five. I think the likelihood is they'll be playing the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are probably going to finish in that four spot if you look at the way the schedules break going forward. The Minnesota Vikings sitting at 6-6-1, six, six, and one, the most average possible schedule and results so far. But they're a half game up on a bunch of teams with more difficult schedules remaining. The Carolina Panthers are sitting at 6-7. and seven. They finish with two of their final three against the Saints, including this weekend. I just don't see any way possible that the Panthers are going to run the table and get to 9-7. and seven. I think their absolute apex is 8-8, eight and eight, and I think the likelihood of them really splitting with the uh, New Orleans Saints is low. So I think we're going to finish, if you're a Carolina Panther fan, at 7-9, and nine, probably out of the playoff race. I think the Eagles are likely to lose two of their final three. They're going to lose to the Rams this weekend, and that could get ugly. I think there's a good chance the Texans go on the road and beat the Eagles as well. So I think the Eagles probably are going to be a 7-9 and nine football team. You know, Washington Redskins are going to lose out. They'll finish 6-10 and 10 would be my prediction. The Green Bay Packers are, uh, I think, a beaten team. Uh, I don't think they'll go on the road and beat the Bears this weekend. That will effectively end their season. If they were able to beat the Bear, uh, beat the Bears this weekend, the Packers, that is, then maybe you could hold out hope that they beat the Jets and that they beat the Lions, and that would get them to 8-7-1, and one, and you would hope, if you are a Packers fan, that that might be good enough to get you in the mix uh, with the uh, with the Minnesota Vikings. I think they probably have a decent chance. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are not going to win out, and I don't believe the Giants have any chance of winning out and going eight and eight uh, because their final three is pretty brutal. Um, they got the Titans, which is a, a toss up game. They go on the road against the Colts, where the Giants will be an underdog. And then they close out with the Cowboys. The Cowboys could be, maybe if you're lucky, if you're the Giants, the Cowboys have already won the division and they're resting everybody in that game. But the Giants are done at 5-8. and eight. I don't believe in the Lions. Uh, so 8-8 uh, eight and eight's not going to be good enough, I don't think, to get in. So uh, when you really break it down, I think that, uh, that the Minnesota Vikings have a pretty good chance to run the table uh, as you look at that uh, remaining schedule for them. And so I think the Vikings will be the sixth seed, and they will play, in my opinion, against the Bears. They'll go on the road in Chicago. Not an ideal situation to have to go on the road in Chicago. But if you're the Vikings, are you sitting around saying, oh, we'd have no chance to beat the Bears uh, come the playoff season? Both two really good defenses. uh, Quarterbacks that have been sketchy all season. I actually like Kirk Cousins more than I like Mitchell Trubisky right now, given that Trubisky's injured and how bad Trubisky has been down the stretch here through three picks against the Rams. I'm not sold on the offensive side of the ball for the Chicago Bears. I'm not sold on Trubisky's health if he needs to run the football. So I think it's likely that we are set with the NFC playoff picture. I think it's going to be the Bears hosting the Vikings, and I think it's going to be 
the uh, Dallas Cowboys hosting the Seattle Seahawks. So I don't think there is the need to hit the panic button with what we saw so far from last night's Monday Night Football game. All right, cue the music, boys. It's time for the top five, bottom five in the NFL. And then we will go into break and be joined shortly thereafter by our guy, Mark Schlereth, to break down more of the NFL. By the way, hour three, Petros Papadakis will join us. Bottom five. It's getting a little bit hard to distinguish between these bottom five teams because the bottom part of the NFL has started to raise the floor. They aren't as awful as maybe you had feared these teams might be. The Raiders get a win. The 49ers get a win. The Cardinals just beat the Packers. The Jags, well, they still stink. All right, here's where we go. Worst team in the NFL. I think it's the San Francisco 49ers, and I say that even though they just beat the Denver Broncos. The 49ers, I still think, are the worst team in the NFL. There's only a couple of teams that are 3-10. and 49ers are one of them. The other one is the Oakland Raiders. The Oakland Raiders, I know they got the win over the Pittsburgh Steelers, but 3-10 and 10 is 3-10. and 10. When you are the worst teams from a record perspective, it's hard to argue you should be elevated elsewhere. So I have got the 49ers and the Raiders both at uh, those two worst teams. Cardinals I've got in the 30th position because they're better in the division. I believe, if I'm correct, that the Cardinals have beaten the Raiders and the 49ers, uh, but certainly they have been better in a uh, bad division. Then we go, and by the way, that is an awful, putrid collection of teams, the Cardinals, the Raiders, and the 49ers, but at least they are trending up. The Cardinals recently beat the Packers. The Raiders just beat the Steelers and the 49ers just beat the Denver Broncos probably to knock them out of playoff contention. In the 29 spot, I've got the Jacksonville Jaguars. They started off the season 3 and 1. They are now 4 and 9, 1 and 8 in their last games coming off of a brutal beatdown. Derrick Henry, I think, is still running in the open field for uh the Tennessee Titans against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then in the 28th spot, I've got the Buffalo Bills who just lost at home to uh, the Jets. That's a tough position to be in. The Jets graduate out of my bottom five. So the worst five teams in the NFL, according to the OutKick rankings, the Bills, the Jags, the Cardinals, the Raiders, and the 49ers. What about the list of happiness? The top five teams in the NFL. I've got the Saints as the best team in the NFL right now. Sitting at 11-2, and two, they would have home field throughout the playoffs if they continue to perform Final three games, they play uh, the uh, Carolina Panthers twice. And in between those two Carolina Panther matchups, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers coming to town. I think there's a pretty good chance that the Saints get to 14-2 and and are able to lock in uh, everybody having to come through the Superdome before all is said and done. So I've got the Saints number one overall. In my second spot, I have got the Chiefs. If I were projecting right now, most likely Super Bowl possibility potential. Saints going up against the Chiefs, to me, most likely potential outcome there. Saints-Chiefs. In the three spot, I have got the LA Rams. Uh, The Rams' tough loss on the road against the Bears, but the Rams still slotted in at the three spot. All three of those teams are 11-2. I think you'd be hard-pressed to argue with anyone out there that the three best teams in the NFL aren't the Saints, the Chiefs, and the Rams, the only three teams that are 11-2. and two. 
And then in the final two spots, I'm slotting the Bears up a bit because of the beatdown that they put on the Rams. I've got the Bears in the four spot, and that's despite the fact they're coming off just two weeks ago, a loss against the Giants. And then in the five spot, I have got the New England Patriots. I thought the Patriots deserved to be slotted in at the number five overall spot there. You could argue the Texans, but I think ultimately even Texans fans would say, yeah, you know what? I feel a little bit more confident in the Patriots, even though the Patriots are coming off a loss. Plus, the Texans are coming off what I thought was a worse loss against uh, the Colts. Uh, The Patriots just kind of choked on the final play of the game. Uh, And you know what I've noticed here is that I have made a tremendous error because I have made a glaring error on the spot, and I am now going to knock the Patriots out, and I am going to put the Chargers in at four. My apologies to everyone in the L.A. area. I was looking at the overall seating in the playoffs, and I overlooked the 10-3 and three, uh, Chargers, who weren't that great against the Bengals, but are still 10-3 and three and have a massive game against uh, the Chiefs this weekend. So my top five on-the-fly adjustment, Saints won two Chiefs, three Rams, four Chargers, and five spot, I've got the Bears. I'm slotting in the Bears right above the Patriots, who I have in the sixth spot. And in the seventh spot, I have got, unless I have made another error and managed to forget another team, in the seventh spot, I have got the Houston Texans. For you Dallas Cowboy fans out there who are obsessed and believe that I'm not giving enough respect to your team, I would have the Dallas Cowboys in the eight spot. So I'll run through. I have given you a special bonus edition of the top eight teams in uh, the playoffs right now. Uh, as I uh, as I counted down, all eight of these teams would obviously be in the playoffs. These are the top eight teams in the NFL in order. The Saints, the Chiefs, the Rams, the Chargers, the Bears, the Patriots, the Texans, and the Cowboys, the top eight teams in the NFL. When we return, we will talk with my guy, uh, Mark Schlereth, Should be a lot of fun, always enjoyable. In the meantime, everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add, save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. Good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance, extra money in your pocket. It just may be the most rewarding to-do you do today. This is Outkick the Coverage. I'm Clay Travis. Up next, it's Mark Solareth on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. By the way, we're playing Baby It's Cold Outside every day (laughs) between now and Christmas because some other stations have decided not to play it because it's offensive now. I can't even keep up with all the triggered losers out there. So anyway, we're playing Baby It's Cold Outside every single day between now and Christmas because it's Christmas season. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And we're brought to you by Discover Card. We treat you like you treat you also. Let's make sure we play Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer every day. Just put that in the rotation too. Need to play Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer every single day as well. Uh, And we'll bring in Mark Schlereth. Uh, Mark had the uh, Carolina-Cleveland game. 
um, and uh, he's going to have a big game this weekend uh, with the Baltimore Ravens hosting Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the Ravens pursue that AFC North um, uh, crown, potentially. And so I want to start with you, Mark. First of all, thanks for coming on uh, and getting up early with us. But I want to start with the Carolina-Cleveland game. What's up with Cam? Um, is this an injury situation? The uh, Panthers have now lost five games in a row, and they were yep. sitting at 6-2, and two, and everybody was like, man, this looks like a Super Bowl team. This looks like MVP Cam, including me. And then the wheels have just come off the Panthers. What did you see up close calling their game this past weekend? Yeah, you know, I think Cam has done a phenomenal job of understanding kind of you cannot play just with your body anymore. You have to become – a you know an entire football player. I think one of the things that happens to you as an athlete when you are physically gifted, when you are just touched by the hand of God, you can always fall back and rely on your gift. And he has come to the realization that you cannot play forever like that. And he has got to be better. He said as a young player, he just was like, ah, you know what, if things break down, I'm just going to go out and ball. I'll just go out and run around. He is so much more dialed in, so much more prepared. He has worked so much harder and he really has played exceptionally well. What's happened is that old shoulder injury from that he had surgery on in 2016 has flared up. He hasn't been able to practice in weeks. He barely takes any reps. He spends his entire time, you know, studying it and working at it, but it's all mostly mental reps. And then, you know, he gets himself healthy enough to play. And, and the thing I appreciated about it is he didn't use his excuse. You know, I used to have this philosophy when I played. If I go out there, like, I'm, I may be 70% set, whatever. I don't care. You got to play hurt. You have to play injured. More importantly, you have to play well hurt or injured. And he's like, I can't use his excuse. I got to go out and play. But it really hampers him, especially in, like, pressure throw situations where he's got to let it rip a little bit. You can tell that mechanically it bothers him. And he dirted a couple of balls. He sailed a couple of balls. Um, so when he's a little bit late or under duress, that's where you see it creep up and where the inaccuracies kind of happen once again. So um, he's fighting through it. You know, he's 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 you know working through it. But um, you know they've got some they've got some things in that six and two run that they had that went really well for them. Um, they haven't been great up front. They've had a lot of injuries across the offensive line. You know they've had some things that um, have, have creeped up and hurt them besides Cam's shoulder. What would you say about Baker Mayfield having watched him in person? Uh, were you more impressed, less impressed about what you expected to see uh, with the opportunity to sit and call one of his games? You know what I'll tell you? He's all balls. I, like, that dude is phenomenal. I, I was like, from the time I met with him, he's got a chip on his shoulder, man. He is motivated by – he is motivated by people that don't believe in him. He's got great leadership skills, whatever it is. He has it. And I'm telling you, you know, I talked to coaches on the Carolina uh, staff that were like, hey, evaluating him coming out, I didn't know if it translated. You know, I didn't know if his game in Oklahoma translated. I didn't think it really did because of, you know, the spread stuff and all the bubble screen stuff and all the underneath stuff. And, and I'm telling you, he's got a great memory. The coaches tell me Freddie Kitchens, the offensive coordinator, was like, "Listen, this guy can he can tag every everything in a play. So you can call a play, and you can tag each individual receiver. Most of the time, they just have a code word for certain, you know, for certain plays. You can tag each individual's receiver, so everybody knows the depth. Of, like 
he can just call it in, and Baker Mayfield goes, oh, I got it. And, and basically verbatim, it's, it's a really hard thing for a lot of quarterbacks to do um, because there's so much verbiage involved. But he says he's got an unbelievable memory. But I tell you what, the thing that impressed me most is his ability to find windows in a pocket, to slide. He's got great pocket awareness to slide and then to climb the pocket and absolutely let it rip. I mean, it starts, you know, he's got, he throws it so freaking hard. It's, it's almost Favre-esque, but it's not. You know, Favre was all arm. He just had such an unbelievable arm. And he didn't have as much arm talent, but he throws it that hard because it comes from his toes. You know, I mean, he's creating velocity through rotational force that starts at his toes, and he just lets it rip fearless in the pocket. And he made some throws that, like, were just like, oh, my Lord, down the field with just unbelievable touch and unbelievable velocity on the ball. We're talking to Mark Schlereth. Follow him on Twitter at Mark Schlereth. All right, this weekend, I'm sure you're starting to do some of the prep already. You've got Tampa Bay going up against the Baltimore Ravens. First of all, what do you Uh expect to see at the quarterback position? Because Lamar Jackson got knocked out of that game at the end. RG3 comes in. Borderline, should it have been, maybe should have been, uh, pass interference call uh, late against the Chiefs on that RG3 throw. You got the Joe Flacco uncertainty with the health situation and the Ravens squarely now. Hell, if they had hung on to win that game, they'd be in first place right now in the AFC North. But I think you have to be cautiously optimistic if you're the Ravens because the Steelers have two really tough games back-to-back going up against the uh, the Patriots and the uh, Saints back-to-back weekends. What happens with the Ravens? What are you hearing about them? Well, I, I think when you look at them on film, obviously they're very aggressive. They control a lot of scrimmage. You know, John Harbaugh knows how to play this game. You look at the amount of carries they have had ever since Lamar Jackson has been their quarterback. I mean, it's been it's been crazy. Every week you look at it, you know, it's forty seven, it's fifty two, it's you know, whatever it is. And that's you know, that's kind of way they have they have gone about this. It's not you know, I mean, they hide some of the deficiencies from Lamar Jackson as a passer because, you know, that's a kid that's that's learning the NFL game and that doesn't have, you know, doesn't have great um, mechanics. But, you know, look at 13 rushes, 71 yards last week uh, against Kansas City. They are going to run the snot out of the ball. They're not going to throw it a lot. Um, they're going to try to eliminate as much as they can with that. And they're going to absolutely control line of scrimmage. They try to get you down to about – uh, most of the average games are like, you know, 13 possession games. Each team is going to get 13 possessions with the ball. They want to control line of scrimmage. They want to continue to churn first downs through the running game and through their quarterback's uh, elusiveness and athleticism. And they want to get it down to about a nine possession, nine or maybe 10 possession game. Because if they can get it down to that, they can keep their pass rushers fresh, they can keep their defense fresh, they dominate the time possession, dominate the line of scrimmage. And and when you have that formula, you know, with a challenged quarterback in the passing game, mechanically he's challenged, but he is a phenomenal athlete. And then, you know, the throws they give him usually are the underneath stuff off the rollouts and, you know, and, and off the, you know, the read option, you know, RPO game. So, um, now you look at the way they play. They play into their personnel. They have an identity, and John Harbaugh knows that that identity is a winning formula You know, if we just adhere to it. So they do a really good job from an understanding point of this is who we are and this is the way we need to play.
Do you expect Lamar Jackson to start the rest of the way? Yes. Yeah, I do. I, I think they're. I think they're going in that direction. Obviously, like that's the formula. Like you can't. Like you can't have that formula with you know with uh, with Joe Flacco if he comes back if he gets healthy. Now Lamar Jackson, I, I, I read yesterday that his ankle is fine, and Harbaugh said in his press conference that he should be fine going forward. But this is the formula that they're going with. This he's going to be their quarterback now. Is it sustainable? No, he's already been hurt. He's already been in concussion protocol. Like that's what's unsustainable about it. You know, you cannot, you can't live this way long term because you're just not going to survive in this league. There's only one guy who has been built that way, and and early in his career, and it's Cam Newton. Because you know, I sat down and met with him, and he's six foot five, and he's two fifty five. I mean, he's a freak of nature. you know, Lamar Jackson is not that. So it's not sustainable long-term. You can't play, you know, six, seven years like that. But can you get through the end of the season and give yourself a chance? Absolutely. Who would you take right now, Mark Schlereth? Uh, would you take in this AFC North race the Steelers or would you take the Ravens to be more likely to win the division? I wouldn't take the Steelers to IHOP. Um, <laughs> like – like the Steelers are like they have there's an emotional immaturity level with the Pittsburgh Steelers that just bothers the hell out of me. And come on, when was the last time that Mike Tomlin matched up against Bill Belichick and came out looking good? I mean, that, that New England that's their personal good thing. You know, as tough as New England has it when they go to Miami and they've never played well in Miami, like the Pittsburgh Steelers are like that's their. That is their personal good thing. That's a butt whipping waiting to happen, you know? I mean, so they never have matched up well. Philosophically, they haven't matched up well. Defensively, the way they have tried to, you know, the way they've tried to match up against uh, New England, they've never been able to do it. And it's always a 14-point beatdown when they play the Patriots. So I have no faith. I think this. I think the Ravens are going to come out of that division as the division champs. What do you th- – so – when you just mentioned the Patriots, you played in the NFL for a, a long time. Can you explain how the Patriots, with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, can ha- can be one in five straight up in their last six on the road in Miami? No, hey, listen. Okay, so I will tell you this just from from playing. Like I would rather go play in Green Bay in December than I would Miami in December. When you play at a cold weather place, man, you pack on a, a layer of winter fat. Um, you're not in the kind of cardiovascular fitness that you are when you, when summertime rolls around and you're playing in the heat all the time. It, like you, you get to the point where you get used to practicing and playing in the cold, and then you go to Miami, and and I will tell you, it drains you. It's like hooking up a faucet, a spigot. And, and just sucking the fluids out of your body. I mean, you are over on the sideline first quarter sucking on eggs and sweating profusely, and you feel lethargic, like lethargy sets in. It's a, for me, it was a miserable place to play. I'm like, I usually just call it the gold bomb game. you got to have a lot of powder because uh, <laughs> your, uh, your undercarriage is going to get raw and rashed. That's going to be so sweaty, and you're not used to it. I'm, I'm telling you, I was miserable going to Miami. Let me go to Green Bay and be, you know, 24 degrees and 15, you know, minus 12, uh, minus 12 with a windshield. I'd rather play in that than Miami in December. 
And if you look at New England, and they always seem to play Miami late in the season. So it's a miserable place to play if you're an opponent late in the season. To me, anyhow, if you play, if you play in a cold-weather city. I know you know the Broncos well. What happened with the uh, Denver Broncos on the road against the 49ers when it seems like they started to turn the corner, big win over the Chargers, big win over the Steelers, and then boom, Nick Mullins gets you in San Francisco. Do you think the Broncos are out of the running now for the playoffs, and what happened in that game? They're They're not. Listen, they got beat physically. They got beat mentally. They got beat scheme. They got out schemed, outcoached, outplayed, uh, lack of leadership. Um, I mean, where do you want me to continue on? I, I'm, I'm embarrassed. The very first, you know, very first couple series of the game, the Niners absolutely outhit them. They smacked them in the mouth um, in the running game. Their safeties, their safeties came running the alley. They're buzzing up there, and they're just smacking the snot out of receivers and out of running backs. And the Broncos. I mean, they tucked their tails between their legs and, and you know, and, and sulked back to the sideline. It was it's as embarrassing um, a defeat as they've had around here. You know, and everybody wants to sit here in the local media and say, well, you know, they lost Emmanuel Sanders and they've had a lot of injuries. And I'm like, you see the San Francisco 49ers, they put 18 guys on IR. They are playing right now. Think about this. The Niners, Nick Mullins, practice squad, wasn't even on the roster, right? Nick Mullins, honestly, from a skill standpoint, now mentally he is sharp, but from a skill standpoint, the guy should, you know, the guy should be coaching. He shouldn't be playing in the NFL. That's the skill set he has. You talk about Ricky James Jr., you know, a wide receiver that's a fourth pre, he, you know, the start in the fourth preseason game. Dante Pettis started in the fourth preseason game. Um, uh, the, the running back. Jeff Wilson Jr., fourth preseason game, wasn't even on the roster until a, a month ago. I mean, that, they are decimated by injuries. They're down to their, their fourth string, strong safety, their third string, free safety, and they just came out and punched Denver in the mouth, and Denver rolled over. I mean, it's, it's embarrassing. Outcoached, outplayed. That's, that one, they're, as good as the three-game winning streak was in Denver, that's the most embarrassing loss. You weren't prepared. You overlooked a two and ten team, and you got your ass handed to you. Embarrassing. That's a fireable offense. Do you think Vance Joseph will get fired? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Think, will they let him coach the rest of the season and then fire him, or how's that process? You think going to play out the final three weeks of the season? I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna play it out. And, and listen, I look at it like this: like, don't you already know? I mean, to me, don't you don't you already know? You got blown out in a bunch of games last year. You just let the, there was one guy on that team that can hurt you, George Kittle. One guy. There's there's one guy. He's a great player. He's like mini Gronk. If you haven't watched him, he's not as big as Gronk, but he's a great blocker at the point of attack, whether it's in a static formation or in motion. He's awesome. He is he is kind of a six foot five. He's a little smaller than Gronk, uh, but he's got better speed than Gronk. He's a four five. Like four, five, three, forty guy. Like he can flat out run. He's a phenomenal player. One player you had to contend with. He went for seven and two ten in the first half against you. Seven and two ten, and didn't get targeted in the second half. I mean, it just is like there's one guy you had to stop. You had you know the old the, the Twitter lines or the Twitter feed that you had one job to do. Yeah, like I'm, you had one job to do. Like, and so to me, if you don't already know. 
if you don't or if your gut doesn't already tell you that from a management standpoint that you don't have the right guy, then shame on you. Like that's what now part of it is like, well, I mean, who do we who do we fill it with? You know, who I don't know, fill it with an adult. You know? I mean, fill it with somebody who will hold his players accountable and say, Hey, at least we played hard. No, you didn't. Get your ass kicked. I I don't whatever. I mean, if that's your idea of playing hard, then you and I are on a completely different page. We're talking to Mark Schlereth. You can follow him on Twitter. I just wish he had some opinions sometimes. Uh, at Mark Schlereth, he joins us every single Tuesday in Hour 2. Um, when you saw what happened last night, Monday Night Football, uh, obviously the Seahawks have found a recipe that works. They can run the football. Right. We know how good Russell Wilson can be. I think they're going to be a hard out for the Dallas Cowboys. You can kind of project that that would be a really physical, really tough matchup between the Seattle Seahawks and the Dallas Cowboys. I think that's likely to be your 4-5 game in the wild card in the NFC. If you are waking up this morning and you are the Minnesota Vikings, sitting at 6-6-1, six, six and one, your final three games, you still have a pretty good, I think, chance when you look at everybody else to make the playoffs as the sixth seed. What do you do? What do you say to the team? What do you say to fans? What do you say to Kirk Cousins waking up this morning in Minnesota at 6-6-1? Six, six and one? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's there's no question it's disappointing, and you know, I know that uh, there's a lot of things that that have gone on here, right? I know that there's a lot of issues that you have defensively. You haven't played nearly as well as you did last year. Not in the secondary, not up front. Um, you know, not in, not at any level. Not so. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of things defensively that you haven't done that you did last year, and. I always say, man, it's a lot easier to deal with failure than it is success. Like, his success, man, sates people. It sates some people, and they just feel good about themselves, right? And they just assume that, you know, they're just going to have the same kind of season that they did a year ago without doing the same type of work, which is a mistake. But ultimately, for Kirk Cousins, um, this went on in a, a little text roundabout I had last uh, night with a bunch of my buddies from Seattle that are huge Seahawk fans. And they're like eighty-four million for Kirk Cousins. Record in primetime games, five and thirteen. Record versus winning teams, four and twenty-four. Um, this year, record versus winning teams, zero and five. Uh, career road record, twelve twenty-three and two. Career record on Monday Night Football, zero and seven. Like Kirk Cousins is accurate. Kirk Cousins is. You know, understands the game. Kirk Cousins is a very smart quarterback. For some reason, when the brightest lights are on, Kirk Cousins can't find a way to will his team to a, to a victory. And I know it's a team sport, but come on. Like, at some point, you're paying $84 million for a guy that has a great completion percentage. And that's about it. Mark Schlereth, outstanding stuff as always. Knock it out. Enjoy that game this weekend between uh, Baltimore and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You got it, man. Always good to be on with you, Clay. Appreciate it, my man. That's Mark Schlereth. Go follow him on Twitter. Thank him for swinging by and giving us all of his opinions. Man, he doesn't tiptoe up to his opinions. I absolutely love it. Let's bring in Eddie Garcia, find out what's shaking the world of sports. Well, if you missed it in the NFL on Monday Night Football, not a lot of action for three quarters, but things got going in the fourth quarter between the Seahawks and the Vikings. Seattle gets the 21-7 win in that fourth quarter. They blocked a field goal. It was controversial. Many believed 
It was uh, blocked illegally. A flag was thrown, but the referees picked it up. They then scored two touchdowns in an 18-second span, one offense, one defense, to improve to 8-5 and five and put themselves in a great chance to get a wild-card spot in the NFC. Minnesota falls to 6-6-1, six, six, and one, but they're still holding on to that final wild-card spot in the NFC as well. In the NBA, the Thunder beat the Jazz 122-113. Oklahoma City is now percentage points up on Golden State with the top record in the West at 17-8. and eight. Warriors are 19-9 and nine after a 116-108 win over the Timberwolves, where Steph Curry goes for 36 points. The NHL season continues tonight with the Edmonton Oilers at the Colorado Avalanche at 10 p.m. Eastern. It's our Discover Card key matchup. Speaking of matchups, become a new card member and Discover Card will match all the cash back you've earned dollar for dollar at the end of your first year. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. Back to Clay Travis in the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. Final segment of uh, Hour 2. Let's talk Kirk Cousins. Do we believe in him at all, given the fact that I still think the Vikings are going to make the playoffs and that they likely will play the Bears? We'll break it down for you next. I'll kick the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. It's never a good look when you untuck a long, bulky dress shirt. That's why Untuck It makes shirts specifically designed to be worn untucked. Go to untuckit.com to see the new fall arrivals. Untuckit.com, your solution to perfecting casual. Use promo code CLAY, that's C-L-A-Y, for 20% off savings at untuckit.com just in time for the holiday season. And I got to tell you, one of the things I think that often happens when you decide what you think is going to happen in three games, I believe you can break down sometimes just how guys do in big games. And in particular, when the entire league is watching, everybody watches Sunday night football in the NFL, everybody watches Monday night football in the NFL, and everybody watches Thursday night football in the NFL. And I think for big-time game for performances, for whatever reason, sometimes coaches just got it. They get their team ready. Their team performs at an insanely high level. You go back and look at Pete Carroll at USC. When the Trojans had a big game to play and they knew everybody was going to be watching, Pete Carroll almost always pushed the right buttons on his team. He got them motivated. He got them ready to play. Here's a stat that's going to blow your mind. Pete Carroll with the Seattle Seahawks, when that team has played in a primetime game, they're 21-5-1. and one. And not surprisingly, Russell Wilson, who is Pete Carroll on the football field, is 7-2 and two on Monday Night Football. And overall, the Seahawks have just dominated in primetime games. 13-2 and two in their last 15 primetime football games. Seattle Seahawks. Again, let me give you those stats. This is in the wake of last night's win over the Minnesota Vikings. Pete Carroll in primetime games, 21-5-1, and 13-2 in his last 15 primetime games, and Russell Wilson, starting quarterback, 7-2 in Monday Night Football. How does that compare to Kirk Cousins? You just heard Mark Schlereth talking with us. You can find Mark Schlereth on Twitter. Uh, and and let him know thanks for coming on with us. He's been great all season. Kirk Cousins is now 0-7 on Monday Night Football. So when I was deciding how to bet this game on Lock It In last night, there was, to me, zero doubt 
that you go with Russell Wilson against Kirk Cousins, that you go with Pete Carroll against everybody else. The play here is I do think there's a psychological impact to how guys perform in big-time performances like this. And here is further evidence on Kirk Cousins. Now, granted, he was with the uh, Washington Redskins, who don't play a lot of big-time games, and they weren't a very talented team. But here, when you consider that the Minnesota Vikings are paying Kirk Cousins $84 million. And by the way, do you know who picked the Vikings to be in the Super Bowl? This guy. My preseason Super Bowl pick was the LA Chargers, who obviously we'll see how they do on Thursday. But they're 10-3. and three. There's no humiliation there. They've been really good uh, out of the AFC. And then my NFC pick was the Vikings. And I'm going to be honest with you, I expected Kirk Cousins to be better than he has been. But listen to these career stats for Kirk Cousins. I just said that he's 0-7 in Monday Night Football. In primetime games, you're in the NFC East with the Redskins. You play a decent number of them. He's 5-13. and His record versus winning teams, 4-24. and His record versus winning teams this year with the Minnesota Vikings, 0-5. His career road record, 12-23-2. and And his career record on Monday Night Football, 0-7. Now, I don't think it's really fair, despite the fact that I gave you all those stats, to rip on Kirk Cousins aggressively because this guy was a major underdog. Nobody believed in Kirk Cousins at all when he came into this league. And remember, he was drafted alongside of RG3 and ended up winning the job in Washington and has gone on to have a really good NFL career, particularly in light of where he began when most of the time guys who get drafted where he did never start more than two or three games, if that, in their entire career. So Kirk Cousins has been a tremendous success given where he was drafted. But if you look at him overall and say, is this a guy who can win a Super Bowl? I think the evidence suggests clearly the answer is no. And I think ultimately how you perform in those big-time signature, everybody looking at you games, being 0-7 on Monday Night Football suggests to me that when the pressure is at its highest and when people are watching him more often than not, Kirk Cousins does not perform. Russell Wilson does. Pete Carroll does. And that's why ultimately I think sometimes when you make decisions on how to gamble on games, that was my logic yesterday on Lock It In. Got it right, at least in terms of the outcome. I thought the Seahawks would win by double digits, and they did. That's also, by the way, why I'm not pushing the panic button right now on the Minnesota Vikings. I still think the Vikings are going to be your sixth seed. I think the Seahawks are going to be your five seed. When we come back, I'll run you through top five, bottom five. We'll get you ready for Petros Papadakis. All that more, final hour, Tuesday edition up next. Thanks for spending your mornings with us. I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick, the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. By the way, if you want an autographed copy of my book, go to outkick.com. Got to put in orders today. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. And we're brought to you by Discover. Get your free credit scorecard today. Even if you're not a Discover customer, it includes your FICO credit score. And checking your scorecard won't hurt your credit. 
Learn more at discover.com slash credit scorecard. Limitations apply. No limitations apply on this show, but some limitations do apply if you happen to be a fan of Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. Ultimately, last night, what we saw was Pete Carroll did what Pete Carroll does. So did Russell Wilson. They are dominant in primetime games. 21-5-1 are the Seattle Seahawks under Pete Carroll in primetime football games. 13-2 and in their last 15. And Russell Wilson is now 7-2 and on Monday night football. Meanwhile, Kirk Cousins now 0-7 on Monday night football. I understand Minnesota Viking fans are all panicked. They're all in an uproar. They're saying, my God, our season is over. Uh, calm down. You're going to likely be the sixth seed in the NFC. That means you'll go on the road probably against the Chicago Bears. You'll have a chance to win that game. Meanwhile, for the Seattle Seahawks, I think you pretty much have slotted yourself in at five if you look at the way their season is going to finish. And as a result, I think you're going to get the Dallas Cowboys against the uh, Seattle Seahawks in Dallas, and I think you're going to get Chicago Bears against the Minnesota Vikings in uh, Minnesota, sorry, in, in Chicago. And ultimately, if you flipped that game, right, if the Vikings were the three seed and they were playing against the Bears, I don't think Viking fans would have been panicked. I don't feel good about the Vikings winning because they just haven't been that good on the offensive side of the ball this year. But it's certainly a game they can win, particularly given how Mitchell Trubisky is playing right now. He threw three interceptions against the Rams. He doesn't look like he's really that healthy. It wouldn't shock me at all if the Vikings went into Chicago and won a low-scoring, ugly playoff game because as bad as Kirk Cousins has been in primetime games – I actually like Kirk Cousins more in the playoffs than I do Mitchell Trubisky right now. Now, all the criticism is going to rain down on Kirk Cousins all week long. We will see how he does in what should be a pretty big game in Minnesota with the Miami Dolphins coming to town. Dolphins coming off their big win over the uh, New England Patriots. We'll see how that game happens and progresses as uh, as we break it down with the Miami Dolphins going on the road against the Vikings. I think the Vikings are going to win that game, and then I think we'll be sitting at the Vikings at 7-6-1, and one, and we'll be saying, okay, the final game of the season against the Bears likely to be rematched in the playoffs. The Bears aren't going to show up and play at a very high level. And so I think before all is said and done, ultimately the play is going to be that the Vikings are going to be in the playoffs and we'll see whether or not they can get it done against the Bears. I think the Seahawks will be the five seed and I think they will be going up against the Dallas Cowboys. That's my takeaway from Monday Night Football. For those of you starting off your day on the West Coast uh, as you wake up or maybe you're waking up in other time zones as well, thanks for starting off your morning with us here on OutKick. All right, every single Tuesday, I give you my top five and my bottom five in the NFL. Let me run through this now that we have finished the 13th game of the NFL season. Every team has three games left, and uh, I believe the bottom five in the NFL right now, the Bills are the 28th team in the NFL, uh, 28th best. Then we got the Jags, the poor Jacksonville Jaguars, one and eight in their last nine. They got run all over. Teams falling apart. Now there's talk that Tom Coughlin might come out of retirement and coach them because he's so thoroughly disgusted with what's happening there with Doug Marone and what that team looks like. 
Bills 28, Jags in the 29 spot, Cardinals in the 30 spot, the Raiders in 31, and the poor, sad Bay Area sports fan, the 49ers are in 32, even with their wins. The 49ers over the Broncos and the Raiders over the Steelers. I still have those two teams as the two worst in the NFL. I went ahead and ranked the top eight because inevitably uh, when I don't, when I leave a team out, everybody's like, well, where are they? Well, I think there are eight teams that have distinguished themselves so far. This is the top 25% of the NFL thus far. Saints are the best team in the NFL. They're 11-2 in the wake of the Rams' defeat on the road against the Bears. The Saints have taken back over home field. If they can beat the Panthers twice and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Saints will be 14-2, and and the road to the Super Bowl will have to go through New Orleans to some degree or other. The Chiefs also get the win. They're 11-2 and in overtime. They take down the Baltimore Ravens. I have got the Chiefs in the second spot. In the third spot, how about the Rams? Even though the Rams lost to the Bears, I still have the Rams at 11-2 and in my third spot. I think your top three teams, no matter who you're a fan of in the NFL, the three most impressive teams, I think, are the Saints, the Chiefs, and the Rams. Fourth most impressive team, and I think most of you would have to agree with this, we'll see what happens on Thursday night, a great final Thursday night football game for Fox to close out Thursday night football in the NFL The Chargers are going on the road against the Chiefs in Kansas City. So I think the Chargers have to be in the four spot. Your top four, Saints, Chiefs, Rams, and Chargers. In the five spot, Chicago Bears. uh, Big win now sitting at nine and four. I think the Bears are in uh, your five spot. Six spot, I've got the Patriots. I'm still stunned by, you heard Mark Schlereth, if you were listening in the last hour, try to figure out why are the Patriots one in five in their last six in Miami. And he said it might be as simply as, this is a cold weather team that always seems to play against a warm weather team every year. And so he says the Bears, uh, sorry, that the Patriots, they just don't want to play in warm weather. It's not a good fit for them. They don't like it. It's hot. You feel like you can't breathe. Maybe that's the truth. The Patriots in the sixth spot, in the seventh spot, the Houston Texans, uh, nine and four, tough loss against uh, the uh, Indianapolis Colts. But the question is for the Texans: they go on the road against the Jets, then they come back home. Uh, no, then they go on the road against the Eagles. Then they come back home for the final game of the year against the Jags. Are the Texans going to put away the AFC South division, or are they going to stumble down the stretch? They had won nine games in a row. Now they've got a loss. Are they going to let that loss continue? Or will they go on the road and take care of business against the Jets? We will see. Texans sitting at 9-4. and four. And then you love them, you hate them, you can't get enough of them. I got the Dallas Cowboys sliding in at the number 8 spot overall in the outkick top 5, which has since been expanded to the top 8. The Saints, the Chiefs, the Rams, the Chargers, the Bears, the Patriots, the Texans, the Cowboys. I got to be honest with you. That's the top eight teams in the NFL. I don't see how anybody could argue with any of those teams. Bottom five, maybe you can argue a little bit, but it doesn't really matter. What's happened is the bottom five NFL teams have all started to elevate a little bit. They're not as awful as they have been. Uh, the Bills, look, they're not awful. They're favored against the uh, against the Denver, the Detroit Lions this weekend. The Jags, look, they're 4-9. They're not an awful football team. They're decent defensively. 
when Leonard Fournette is healthy, they can run the football. Yes, Cody Kessler is not the answer, but the Jags can win some games. I mean, they, hell, they beat the Patriots earlier this season. The Cardinals, uh, they're not very good, but they did go on the road and win in Green Bay. And then the Raiders and the 49ers, as bad as they have been so far this season, they just got back-to-back wins. So that's not a brutal situation either. Uh, All right, as we get ready for Petros Papadakis, we're going to be joined by him here momentarily. I'm about to tweet this out. If you are a fan of me and you want an autographed copy of my book for Christmas, this is the absolute last day to buy an autographed copy. I have signed thousands of these books. If you go right now to outkick.com, That's my website, outkick.com, and click up at the top over there in the Outkick store. You can also go on my Twitter feed right now because I'm literally going to tweet this out when we go to break. If you want an autographed copy of my book for yourself or for someone else, they are for sale on my website. This is the absolute last day that you can order them and get them at your house before Christmas. This comes directly from my house. I am signing these books furiously. Like Santa Claus in his workshop, I have got huge piles of books signed that I are that we're shipping out on a day-to-day basis. I am signing every single book. We don't have some fancy autograph machine. Every single book signed by me. Republicans buy sneakers too. If you want an autograph copy, absolute last day. You can go find me on Twitter and click on the link. You can also go to outkick.com. What better gift could you give than my book autographed? For your loved one nothing says i love you better than a clay travis autograph book so this is your last day my wife said make sure you tell everybody this is the last day i don't want anybody ordering these things and being upset because they can't get them before christmas now we are stopping the order on these because we got a ton to get out this is the drop dead last day you got to be ordered by midnight today if you want an autograph copy for Christmas, I'm just about to tweet this out. Go to outkick.com or go to my Twitter feed at Clay Travis, and you can get an autograph copy for yourself or someone else for Christmas. That is what is going to happen there. Up next, Petros Papadakis. Maybe he wants an autograph copy of my book. Maybe he does. He's a big fan. Maybe not. Uh, but he should know. And everybody should know this also. There's a buzz gift on everyone's list this year. Featured on Oprah's O-List, it's Quip. One of the most important things we do is brush our teeth, but most of us don't do it properly. Quip is the best electric toothbrush out there created by dentists and designers designed to make brushing your teeth simple, affordable, and enjoyable. They allow you to make sure that you spend two minutes brushing your teeth thanks to their timer pulses every 30 seconds to remind you when to switch sides. Full and even clean as a result. They even give you an incredible setup because they, even though it's an electric toothbrush, you only have to charge it for once and it lasts for three months. Uh, The brush head's automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just five bucks. And that's important because three out of four of us use bristles that are old, worn out, and ineffective. Quip, one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association, They have thousands of verified five-star reviews. I love Quip. I use it. You should as well. 20,000 dental professionals agree that you should be making the same decision I am. Go to quip.com slash clay right now, and you get it for just 25 bucks, and you get your first refill pack for free with your Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at G-E-T. 
Q-U-I-P. That's getquip slash clay. Go today. Up next, Petros Papadegas, AM 570 LA Sports. All that and more on Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. It's Petros Papadakis' wake-up, uh, walk-up music. Could be his wake-up music, too, because he had not touched base with us yet. Is he awake? If you have the Textoso line, you might want to blow up his phone and say, where are you? Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. We're brought to you by True Car. When it comes to selling or trading in your car, you need to make good choices. And with True Car, you've got a star on your roster. So when you're ready to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car. True Cash Offer, not available in all areas. Let me bring up uh, Eddie Garcia, find out what's shaking in the world of sports. Well, of course, we start with the Monday Night Football game in Seattle. Pretty boring game through three quarters, but things got interesting in the fourth quarter where the Seahawks blocked a field goal. Many believe illegally a flag was thrown, then picked up. Would have given Minnesota a first down. Instead, Seattle got the ball and then scored two touchdowns, 18 seconds apart, one on offense, one on defense, and roots with 20. 21-7 win. Seattle's now 8-5 and five and in a good spot to win a wildcard spot in the NFC. Minnesota 6-6-1. They still are the last wildcard team right now in the NFC, but uh, they've got some work to do as well. In the NBA, Thunder over the Jazz, 122-113. Oklahoma City now percentage points in front of Golden State for the top record in the Western Conference at 17-8. Warriors are 19-9 after a 116-108 win over the Timberwolves. Steph Curry with 38 points. 76ers beat the Pistons, 116-102. Philadelphia now a league-best 4 14-1 at home. And despite 41 points from Anthony Davis, the Celtics beat the Pelicans 113-100. Boston has now won six in a row. This report's brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Back to Clay Travis in the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. Petros has texted me. He is up and he is ready to go. He should be joining us here shortly. Guys, just let me know when he officially is up on the line. And uh, it's interesting. If you look at my uh, top eight teams that I ran through, City of Los Angeles doesn't have the NFL forever. And then all of a sudden, boom, they get two NFL franchises. They get the Rams and they get the Chargers. They're building a brand new stadium. And it wouldn't be impossible if you look at the way this season is playing out and you look at some of the difficult games remaining for the Chiefs, if on Thursday night the uh, Chargers went on the road and beat the Chiefs and then won out the rest of the way to finish 13-3, and the Chiefs have a somewhat challenging game, certainly in this game, uh, against the Chargers, and they would lose that one, and they would both be 11-3. and right at theory if the Chargers won out finished 13 and 3 and then the Chiefs went on the road and lost to the Seahawks which wouldn't be unbelievable it's possible that you could have the number one overall seed in the AFC coming out of LA and it's certainly possible if the Rams won out and the Saints dropped one more in their final three let's say they lost to the Steelers you could have the number one NFC team and the number one AFC team, both playing in Los Angeles, which would be a pretty wild scenario. Petros Papadakis, would you go to any playoff games if that were the case in the city of Los Angeles? No. 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 
for, what, for cover traffic them. related reasons or what's your reason why you wouldn't go to an NFL playoff game? I've never been to a pro football game. Ever? Never. Really? In my life. Is it by choice or it just never happened? Kind of a little bit of both. I mean, I think I went to a preseason game with my teammates when we played in the Meadowlands in 2000. And there was like a Giants-Ravens game, preseason game, that we watched for like a quarter of. And I was in the stands for, but no, I've never been to a game, not when the Rams were in Anaheim, not when the Raiders were in the Coliseum, not in my many travels. I have never been to a pro football game. Which is ironic because you've been everywhere to watch college football. Well, I've been to Middle Tennessee State. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even even places that lots of people couldn't even recognize on the map. You've Western been there to Kentucky, call football. Western Kentucky, FAU, ECU, you know West who Virginia. I went out. You know who I went out to dinner with as part of a group uh, last week, speaking of you calling games, DeMarco Murray. Oh, yeah? How was that? Good. I, I never met him. I mean, I met him, you know, like kind of in passing because he did radio a few times or whatever while he was playing for the Titans here. Um, and now he's relocated and lives in Nashville and likes it, has a couple of young kids. Uh, it was good. We talked about uh, about you and your knowledge of uh, of dreadlocks and uh, and uh, Jamaican music and uh, re- reggae music, and he was uh, he was uh, singing your praises. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. Um, so uh, last night, so you said you'd never been to an uh, NFL game. Have you been to see LeBron play yet? Yeah, when he was with Cleveland. But you haven't been since he got to the Lakers. No. What do I look like? I don't go to clubs anymore. <laughs> so you're not going to go to Club Laker to watch LeBron? No, no. No, so no, you, not even close. That's a place to be seen, and I don't want to be seen. So are you watching on a night-to-night basis? Like last night, the Lakers <clears throat> play the Heat. Are you paying attention to regular – full confession. I do not pay attention to regular season NBA basketball, particularly when it's like – October, November, and December because football is on. I watch every big football game just about. And if I watched every NBA game, I really would have no life at all. So I don't watch the NBA until really it gets into like March and April and gets close to the uh, close to the start of the uh, playoffs. I watch occasionally, but like watch a regular game. I, and also these games are on so late for me. When I'm waking up in the 4 a.m. hour, I'm not staying up late to watch LeBron. But are you watching LeBron on a night-to-night basis? Well, going to the games is really something that my colleague, DeMarco Murray, famous people, good-looking people, upwardly mobile types, that's who goes to the games. As far as paying attention, here in Los Angeles, people pay attention whenever the Lakers play. And that's if they're bad or if they're good, because there's a lot of storylines and people write about it no matter what it is. The worst thing for anybody in this town is for the Lakers to be a middle-of-the-road team that has no drama. Yes. And that never happens. I mean, that literally almost never happens. There's always drama. Back to the Nick Van Exel teams, there's always a great deal of dramatic circumstance surrounding that basketball team, for whatever reason, probably because of Dr. Buss and his personality and what he was into and the kind of people he liked to be around and the, the movie stars and all that stuff, that has never left the Lakers. So people watch that every single night. and People are paying a little bit more attention to the Clippers because they're having a really good year that nobody really saw coming. So the night-in and night-out Lakers stuff was the case when Lonzo Ball or D'Angelo Russell 
was was the best player on the team. So now that it's LeBron, it's kind of double. You have the local people that watch every single night, and then you have the national media that follows LeBron around and licks his behind. <laughs> so for people out there who haven't been paying attention, we're a third of the way through the NBA regular season now, roughly. 27 yes. games in. The Lakers are only a game and a half out of first place in the Western Conference. I think I, I'm far from an expert, but that has to be considered an extraordinary debut for LeBron James in Los Angeles for a third of the way. Again, 33% of the way through the season. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe the Lakers began 2-5. and five. So rough math tells me that they're 15-5 and five in their last 20 and now sitting at, and that math may be off, by the way, because that's rough math. I'm doing it live on the air. But they're now sitting a game and a half out. That's got to be kind of exciting. Well, I think that most people expect them to win because they have the best player in the NBA. And in that last stretch, you've seen him kind of just take over games and do things himself a lot more. And... I think it's the same trajectory that he had with all the other NBA teams that he joined, you know, right off the top, and they had a slow start. Cleveland when he came back, Miami when he went down there, and they're going to win games. Now the question is, is this a move towards trying to win a championship for LeBron James? And I, I don't think it is. But, you know, that can change too. When you have the best player, he took a lot of guys that a lot of people didn't think were very good to the finals in Cleveland pretty much every damn year. So maybe he can do the same in L.A., except those Golden State Warriors might have something to say about it. The West is a little different than people thought. Houston's not that good. The Jazz aren't that good. But it's not even Christmas yet. No, you're right about all that. Uh, we're talking to Petros Papadakis. In fact, it is exactly two weeks till Christmas out there. Um, question for you. Uh, did you think the Heisman Trophy voters got it correct? And do you have a Heisman Trophy vote? I don't. I've never had a Heisman Trophy so let's, vote because I'm not smart enough yeah, when it comes smart to football. Yeah, let's start there. Let's start there. I don't have a Heisman Trophy vote either. There are 900 and some odd people who have Heisman Trophy votes. Doesn't it seem like to you that you and I should have Heisman Trophy votes, that we would be in – I'm not saying like we're the most uh, influential people in the world of the college football media, but don't you think we're in the top 950? I'd like to think so, but obviously we are not. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't understand why we don't – I don't understand why I don't have a vote, but it's rare that I even ask somebody whether they have a vote, and the answer is no, because, again, if you're in the media, there are 950 people who vote for the Heisman Trophy. And so, uh, like, does Joel Klatt have a vote? Oh, I pro- probably. I mean, I, I travel and do games. You, I, I, you, I've I, been doing it for almost 20 years yes so yeah I kind of feel like I deserve a Heisman Trophy vote but I think they got it right I disagree with your assessment of the whole thing I thought Tua obviously had a great year but I think the guys that are surrounded by supreme talent and dominance don't get as much love and maybe that's not fair but I thought Kyler Murray was was more special I loved the gear he had when he ran the ball I kind of love the way he carried his team. And Christian McCafferty should have won the Heisman. Uh, so should have Toby Gerhardt, both over Alabama running backs. 
So if this is a little turnabout for Alabama, then I think it's completely fair because the whole award is screwed up in the first place, as you know. But I have no problem with Kyler Murray winning that award over Tua. All right, so neither one of us get to vote for Heisman. Uh, we have a difference of – would you have voted Tua second? Yeah. Yeah, so there's not that much of a difference of opinion. We would have had the same two in the top two. Um, when you look at the, uh, at the Heisman, do you buy into my argument – that Nick Saban will use uh, the the winning of Kyler Murray to further inflame his team and focus them as they get ready for Oklahoma? It's possible, but one of the powers of Nick Saban is nobody really knows what he says to his football team behind closed doors. And that's really the power of any head coach. And some of them use it and some of them don't. But the inside of the Alabama program is clean, I believe, and, I mean, as clean as it can get. And their athletic director, Greg Byrne, is awesome. But I don't really know what happens inside the building or what he uses or what is bulletin board material for Alabama, how much they concentrate on the opponent as far as stuff like that goes, awards and attention. I I have no idea the way he handles that. So your guess is as good as mine in that situation. I don't think it's some abomination. I think Toby Gerhardt should be pissed about, uh, what was it, Ingram. And I think, I think uh, Christian McCaffrey has every right to be pissed about Henry. Those guys should have won the Heisman from Stanford over Alabama guys. But Stanford has its own issues and not really a fan base. And it's hard. They've had, like, what, four guys, Andrew Luck twice, uh, in second place in the last decade or so. So I understand that, but if Alabama's going to win a couple cheap Heismans like those, then they might lose one that they had a better chance at with two. I don't think it's a big deal or that anybody should be inflamed about it. Are people in Tuscaloosa pissed? I'm sure. I oh, mean, my the, God, the, the, get the, over the, yourself. <laughs> we are talking to Petros Papadakis. All right, I want to get your opinion on this. So there is a reporter, and I don't remember the guy's name, but the minute that that uh, Kyler Murray wins the Heisman Trophy, USA Today comes out with a story saying when uh, Kyler Murray was 14, he was uh, tweeting and he used a couple of uh, slurs that are anti-gay slurs on his Twitter account. 14 years old. When you see a story like that from a major news outlet like USA Today, do you find it as cheap and artificial and unfair as I do that suddenly this guy, Kyler Murray, has got his biggest achievement of his life. You know, he's walking out to give his Heisman Trophy acceptance speech, and USA Today just, boom, hits him like he is running for president of the United States, and his Twitter account when he was 14 or 15 years old was a big deal. Do you feel like that's outside the bounds of fairness, especially in the world of sports, to be going back through all these young kids' 8th, ninth grade tweets and saying, oh my God, look at what they sent out. Well, there's nothing fair when it comes to the media. I don't know if there ever really has been, but in 2018, God knows there's not. Yep. And there's nothing fair about being in the public eye. There's nothing fair about the way the media operates on, on any side of things today. But what you're describing is a relatively new practice, maybe two years old or something. Yeah, I think that's about right. And I 
completely agree. I think it's one of the most despicable things that you could do and call yourself a journalist is to dig into somebody's 12-year-old tweets or Facebook or, or whatever or social media and find something that is regrettable uh, that they wouldn't say today or is that no longer is socially acceptable to joke about. And a lot of these things were socially acceptable to joke about uh, back then. I mean, believe me, I was on the radio in 2001. There was a lot of different stuff you could say that you can't say now that would get you fired. Yeah. And I, I do. I think it's really, I think it's one of the sad incongruities that we deal with. And shame on that a-hole and shame on USA Today. I mean, it's not like, I mean, if he was a part of some cult or some weird stuff when he was 14, maybe that's something you report, but uh, my God, I've had enough of it. It's crazy to think about an eighth or ninth year old. I mean, I understand, like, we have a lot of kids who listen to us in the morning, you know, riding in to start school, high school, college, whatever it is. My advice to them, and this is what I'm going to tell my kids. First of all, I'm going to try to keep my kids off social media as long as I can. Uh, But secondly, whenever they get on social media, when they get to be like 16 or 17, they get close to college age and they're doing applications, it's going to be to wipe out your social media platforms. Like clean them all up, wipe out everything that you sent when you were a dumber 13, 14, 15-year-old and be prepared for people to be Googling your name as you get ready to apply to college and as you get ready to apply for jobs. I mean, that's really the only advice you can give, right? I mean, young people are young people, and they talk to each other a certain kind of way. Exactly. But I don't think people realize the way football players are in a locker room and the way they communicate with each other. And not that it's right or wrong, but the closer that people get, to that locker room culture and the more they know about it. And there's a desire to know about everything now. But I think about the Richie Incognito stuff and people just aren't comfortable with the way a lot of football players really are in real life, whether that's whether they're doing good things or bad things or just what their personalities are. And it's funny because the more football becomes popular, the more people want to know about these guys and then the less comfortable they are when they do know about it. And it's kind of a weird circle that we're stuck in. But to go back and look at some guy's tweets after he wins an award and he seems like a good kid is just complete BS. Amen. That Uh, guy should go cover uh, fashion shows and write about (laughs) pants. Shut up. I'm sorry. I know you sold pants at a certain time in your It was life. a disaster. I lost $50,000 trying to sell pants. I have a you lot of respect for You should have sent me some pants. pants. I would have worn them. Well, you did have to wear my pants once. You never sent me any pants. Uh, I don't know if I have to wear the pants. By the way, I'm giving you an opportunity to tell the time when you had to wear my pants. Oh, well, those were your... Uh, Literally, my pants. Yeah, those were your pants <laughs> that Fox issued and... <laughs> I was opening my... I still, think, uh, I still think that's one of the funniest stories ever. You're down, where was it, in South Florida getting ready for a game? I think it happened to Bruce Feldman, too. He got stuck with your <laughs> pants in West Virginia. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I was doing an FAU game. I had done a Western Kentucky game the night before. We were doing some back-to-back Conference USA extravaganza in the early days of FS1. And I opened my second suit in the hotel room. And... uh I tried to put on the pants, and they wouldn't even go around my thighs. I screamed the F word really loud when I saw your name in the back. 
I slammed the pants against the bat a couple times, and then I wore the dirty, sweaty suit from the <laughs> night before. You know what's also uh, funny about that is, um, well, first of all, you you and Bruce have ended up in some ridiculous places. Feldman gets the worst weather every time. Like, I mean, any time there's an awful weather situation, Feldman ends up there. But when you really break down like that, that ridiculousness, I don't think people understand how panicked you would be as you get ready to get dressed for the game and suddenly realize you don't have the right clothes for the game. No, no, especially when you know the second you're going to hit the air, every a-hole on Twitter and the same a-hole on USA Today are going to destroy you for looking like <laughs> Willie Loman, which I already do on the air anyway. Oh, man. Uh, Petros, we will talk to you next week. Thanks for waking up early with us. Go listen, as many of you will, AM570 Sports. You can follow uh, Petros Papadakis at the Old P and also at Petros and Money. Very successful afternoon show, AM570 LA Sports. Good stuff, my man. Thanks, Clay. I'll see you next week. That sounds good. Uh, Eddie Garcia, what you got for me? I already did, Eddie. That's how on the ball I am. Man, That's I could have talked to Petros for another minute. Wow. Yeah. Eddie, is there anything that's happened in the 20 minutes while Petros and I were talking that you need to update everybody on? Yeah, breaking news. No, nothing happened. Nothing at all happened. All right, well, something will happen. We'll finish off the show next. Man, look how on the ball I was. Usually we always have to work to get Eddie in. I was ready to get Eddie in twice in those segments. Uh, we'll talk about LeBron James in L.A. 17-10 and 10, the Lakers are a third of the way through the NBA season. What does that mean? We'll tell you next in L.A. Braun. Maybe the greatest of all Christmas songs. Grandma got run over by a reindeer bringing us back. Got to play this every day. Important decision to make. That and baby, it's cold outside. Just to trigger everybody. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. I love grandmas, even the ones getting run over by reindeers. Uh, We're brought to you by Discover Card. We treat you like you treat you. And it's never a good look when you untuck a long, bulky dress shirt. That's why Untuck It makes shirts specifically designed to be worn untucked. Go to untuckit.com. These are great shirts to see the new fall arrivals. Untuckit.com, good Christmas gift. Uh, your solution to perfecting casual. Use promo code CLAY for 20% savings. Um, we are going to bring you uh, LeBron James. We have a little bit of an audio clip, I think, to lead in here. It's called L.A. Bron for everybody waking up. We're a third of the way through the NBA season right now. LeBron James and the uh, L.A. Ra- LA Raiders and the L.A. Lakers have played 27 games so far. They are 17 and 10. Cue the music. L.A. I got, I got, I got, I got. From the first show in the country to predict hashtag future Laker. Instead of three hours of it, Clay Travis captures all the mania in three minutes. LeBron has picked up the circus tent and it has followed him wherever he has gone. Last night, the Lakers win. What's the latest, Danny G, on L.A. Braun? Yeah, Clay, the Stars were out in full force last night at Staples. Jessica Alba was sitting with Gabrielle Union. The camera kept closing in on Will Ferrell throughout the game. LeBron was matched up with his best friend, Dwayne Wade, for one last time. D. Wade, of course, is on his farewell tour to retirement. And uh, this was the last game on the schedule for the Lakers and Heat, so very last time for those two besties to be on stage together. LeBron and Kuzma stole the show. They're becoming a pretty good duo. James dropped 28, 9, and 12, a rebound away from a triple-double. Kuzma had 33, 7, and 1. In the fourth, with the clock winding down, 
There was a really great moment where the Heat were trailing by one. D. Wade and LeBron were one-on-one. The crowd rose to their feet and gave D. Wade a standing ovation. LeBron came out on top, though. He drained two crucial free throws to seal the Lakers' fifth straight win at home, 108-105. to And when time expired, Dwayne Wade fake-tackled LeBron. The cameras surrounded them. They embraced, and they did a jersey exchange. Kuzma and Hart both said afterwards that it was pretty crazy watching two of their idols play one-on-one basketball right in front of them. By the way, head-to-head in their careers, they were tied 15 wins apiece going into last night's game. So that means LeBron took the battle of best friends 16-15. to Lakers are now fifth in the West. Thursday afternoon, they're back in action at Houston. They're on the road for the next four. And yeah. for many people out there, the NBA season effectively kind of starts on Christmas and uh, the Lakers will be on the road against the Warriors in that game. Warriors seem to have fixed uh, things. The Warriors are going to win the NBA title. I'm not saying we're not going to talk about it in April and May when the NBA playoffs are going on, but the big reason why the NBA pales in comparison to the NFL, aside from the fact that football is much more entertaining to watch on television than basketball, is because when you get into the NFL playoffs, I think any of the 12 teams potentially could win the NFL playoffs this year. And we're not sure exactly who's going to be there. I tend to think we saw the two wild card teams from the NFC last night. I think your five seed is going to be the Seattle Seahawks. I think they'll be going on the road against the Dallas Cowboys. And I think your six seed is going to end up being Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. And I think they will go on the road against the Chicago Bears. You can kind of look at the final three games of the season and see that tentatively, assuming there's not going to be major injuries and everything else, which is why I'm not hitting the panic button, even if I'm a Vikings fan, or even if I'm concerned about Kirk Cousins' performance in big games. Like, I think it's very valid to be concerned about Kirk Cousins. When you go to 0-7 in Monday Night Football games, like Kirk Cousins is in his career, and Russell Wilson 6-2, and I think that stuff matters. I think big-time players perform the best on the biggest stage and I think very frequently Cousins has shrunk from being a superstar on the biggest stage and look when you sign an 84 million dollar contract guaranteed I don't think it's too much to expect that your guy in a big signature moment is going to play at a high level and put forward the best possible effort that he can so we haven't seen it so far uh, from Cousins maybe we will But I think you look forward and you project ahead. It's likely the Vikings are going to make the playoffs and a lot of pressure is going to be on Cousins this weekend against the Dolphins. But certainly if they make the playoffs and they're playing against the Bears, which I think is going to happen, be a rematch of the final game of the regular season for the Vikings and the Bears, there will be an awful lot of pressure on Cousins in the playoffs this year to see whether or not he can validate that $84 million contract. Because last year, look, the Vikings found a way to get past the Saints and advance to the NFC Championship game. They're a lot worse so far this year, and much of the blame is going to fall fair or foul at Cousins' feet. Uh, I appreciate all of you today. Final day to buy autographed copies of my book. Go to outkick.com. You can go into my Twitter feed and see I sent that out. Autographed copies from me to everybody for Christmas. Happy holidays. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. 
product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. We got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying, flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on!